Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host, Joan Norman, and this is episode 69, Man Socks. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shanabees podcast. How are you all? I hope you are well since last time I've been speaking to you. This podcast is coming out at a much delayed uh, date to that which was planned, unfortunately. I will make no apologies for this. I had a plan. Shame nobody else stuck to it. And um, so it's now coming to you a little later than envisaged, but the next episode, which is due out on Tuesday, will be out on time, provided nothing crazy happens in the meantime. Now, I can't guarantee, you guys know me well, I can't guarantee that that is definitely going to happen, that it's definitely going to be fine. I can't lie to you, given, uh, given the calamities that have gone on over the last week. But I shall certainly try, and that is the main thing. So, what have I got for you today? Well, I have a little bit, a few stories to regale you with initially, and I'll pop on to those in a minute. And after that, there is a bit of chatter from Rachel Coopy about man socks, specifically knitting socks for men and men who knit socks. A bit of chatter around that subject. I know a couple of people have asked specifically for that kind of subject matter and it has been mentioned as well in the read, uh, not reader, listener survey and you know I like to keep you guys happy so um, I had a bit of a chat to her about that post the interview. After that I've got another guest for you is Alice Ellsworth of Whistlebear Yarns. As you know, I'm a bit into the mohair by now, after about a month of mohair content, and she very kindly agreed to both be interviewed, which is coming up later in the month, and to answer your listener questions, which I asked you for a few weeks ago. Well, they are on here. I'm sure you will enjoy hearing from her. She's really, really good fun, a great laugh, very similar sense of humour to mine, I think, so I really, really enjoyed chatting to her, and she was very knowledgeable about the mohair, funny old thing, and uh, having a a farm full of angora goats. So that was really interesting for me, so I hope you will all find it interesting, and certainly a lot of you have been in touch to say you're enjoying uh, listening to some content about something a little bit different. Mohair is not something that people talk about that often, and when it is, it's not generally in the way uh, that I've been talking about it recently, which is in quite a positive light. And even some of you are inspired to dig out some mohair content yarns and give them a try, which is the main thing. You don't have to like it. Just give it a bash. Like we said to the kids, you know, two, two, two mouthfuls. If you don't like it, you don't have to eat any more. It's the same thing. Don't recommend you eat the mohair. Don't recommend you eat it. Add knit it. See what you think after that. Um, then you might want to give it to the dog, you know, and that, that is fine as well. Um, but she will be on to answer some questions on that and then I have some details of the bead along which I'm hoping will start on the 16th of November. I w- again would have liked to have given you a little bit more notice but things have been somewhat crazy around here. 
Clearly, I'm in my new location now, so the sound may well be different. I've just had to kind of blag it a little bit. My office is in no way set up um, for recording or anything else really at the moment. Again, I will explain why <laughs> in my little chit chat and um, that will wrap up the show. So that's the uh, content that you can expect from me today. So in the meantime, get yourself a brew because we're going to need one and we will crack on. So... As I said, it was a little bit emotion, shall we say, the whole moving thing. Now, I'm no stranger to moving house, as you guys know. This is, I think, the fifth home for the podcast since it started in 2012, 2012, 2013, 2012, I think. It's been quite a while, hasn't it? Um, So I'm used to moving very accomplished at moving house and generally fairly relaxed and all over the process of moving which is one of the most stressful processes that you can apparently go through along with like divorce death um and a few other choice (laughs) choice things and and it's something that i kind of end up doing uh slash choose to do fairly often and certainly more often uh, than a lot of folk and i had it all planned we didn't get much notice to move, uh, about four weeks, because our tenants gave notice on the money pit and we decided to make an early break for it and move down here um, because Millie will be changing jobs next year and as a result of that, it will mean that we actually get to choose where we live, which is a bit crazy. And we decided that we will move to the money pit for the time being and see what kind of falls out from that. So the tenants um, bought a house locally in the area of town where our house is and they were moving out so we decided rather than find a new tenant we'll, we will move to the house so bearing in mind Millie had gone off away with work for three out of the four weeks notice that we had to arrange the move um I was doing all right I was doing pretty well I had it all planned had the dates planned had the cleaners planned everything with precision as to when things were going to happen when literally is his school to start school she was like boom 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 scheduled perfect planned so on friday afternoon when i'm well i'm lunchtime i'm wrapping up all my stuff for the week and i'm about to kind of do the podcast and get that all edited i was going to edit it in the evenings over the weekend it's all going to be fine pre-recorded the next kind of few episodes it's, it's all good um there was a knock at the door and when I went downstairs, there was a very kindly looking gentleman, a Scottish gentleman with, with very kind twinkly eyes uh, from White and Company at the door. Now, I should have known, because I've moved with Whites several times, I should have known that they would turn up before they said they were going to turn up and start packing stuff. Like a plague of locusts. For some reason, being in a place of 14 months rather than the usual six has made me forget this fact. So... It turned out that apparently the receptionist hadn't told me they were going to come and pre-pack on the Friday and could they please come in and pre-pack some boxes and they'll just do the bits that I don't need. Which turned into the man with the twinkly eyes disappearing and three fellas turning up in his place um, who, like a plague of locusts, proceeded to pack everything in sight that wasn't nailed down, including, but not limited to, library books birthday cards that had been written out to give to my friend's children 
with their names on, on top of the library books. Clearly a library book, it's got a plastic cover. In the box, gone, disappeared forever. Dog leads. The baby change bag. You name it, it was in these boxes and sellotaped up and then they left my house basically as a kind of soft play but not at all in any way soft or safe of, of packed boxes for the entire weekend. So I spent all the Friday afternoon pointing out which stuff they could actually pack which in my mind was just literally the bookshelves and the stuff in the dining room and then they were gone. No, 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 let me stay, let me pack. Let me pack stuff that you really need. Uh, like your dog leads. Who, who packs dog leads? I mean, do you think I'm some kind of weirdo S&M who just keeps dog leads for my husband under the stairs? This even saw the dogs. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You just wouldn't, would you? Anyway, so it was a bit crazy and it meant that I spent all afternoon basically moving stuff out of the way to try and prevent them from packing it, which was a little bit tricky and meant that I got no work done whatsoever which was nice and then all weekend I was just basically running to keep up because they were only meant to arrive on Monday and pack everything in one guard fastidiously checked and asked the woman and said just confirm they can pack everything on Monday that's the only day they're going to come she told me that was the correct and I had it all planned I was going to get things done on certain days pack things roof box dog stuff you name it completely ruined so yeah, I was a little bit, a little bit stressed, shall we say, and um, had to then get the kids out of the house for the entire weekend because it just wasn't safe for them to be in the house. Um, because once they got over the sheer joy of having loads of reams, reams of packing paper to draw all over, just left all over the house, um, they started to get a little bit bored. So it got a little bit tricky, and so we had to basically get out of the house before anything kind of dangerous happened. Um. So yeah, I spent, and obviously the other half of the time I spent unpacking stuff that I needed, like a baby change bag and dog leads, on, only one of which I managed to find in the end. Um, so that was all cool, and uh, we, we went off down the road, nine hours, nine hours in a car with two kids and two dogs. Yeah, tasty. And, uh, and we got down to Wigan, and I... Uh, basically dropped the kids off my mum and went round to look at my house which was and can only be described as filthy there was an array of various objects why do people leave stuff in houses I'm down with the whole leaving useful things like toilet roll or you know bleach or a little scrubby by the sink that I, I can see that what I don't need is an array of vases, one of which is half the height of me. I found out what that was for afterwards. What I don't need is a foosball table, a pool table, a punch bag and a plastic kitchen in my garden. What I don't need is an entire gym in my cellar. And what I definitely 100% don't want or need and can never see a need for having is a jar of teeth in my bedroom you didn't mishear that i know some of you've dropped your dpns there jar of teeth jar of teeth so yeah there was a lot of, of skanky stuff in the house which was pretty filthy and um 
there was a leak another leak i had a leak last week from another area in the house which shouldn't really have been leaking and i had a leak um, from the ensuite toilet into my porch through my 120 year old covering um which they knew about quite apparently and the large urn that was in my porch was to catch the drips um so yeah crazy so filthy house leaking movers trying to move in all a little bit emotional can't find the stopcock it was about five none of which appeared to work um managed to get it all sorted because i know somebody you know somebody you know somebody because i'm back in the hood and it was all fine got it all sorted leak sorted all the stuff in the house still everywhere boxes still everywhere there was still water stuck under the ceiling um, in my office under the paper so that's still drying out which is why i don't, don't really have an office don't put stuff in there yet so it's dry um and then i went looking for some tiles for the kitchen floor and um the very old hexagonal tiles uh, not vintage not like from the house when it was built but they are kind of 1970s and we wanted four of these tiles to we've moved a cupboard and stuff to make the kitchen work and um managed somehow to be driving over wigan pier see the where wigan pier night spot used to be it's been knocked down and they've landscaped and i was like oh that's lovely look at that grass drove into the curb completely shredded my tire like formula one shredded it was like you know i should have been on slicks or something um and had to like ring my dad to go pick millie up to come change my tire because there was no way i was changing it because if i've drove into a curb i'm certainly not to be trusted changing a tire at this point um and uh, yeah space saver 100 quid for a new tire no time for tears though i'm sat in the car waiting for them to come pick me up i'm already on asda tires ordering a new tire for next week because we don't muck about you know it's done it's finished we order the next thing we move on um but i ended up across the road from the church where hopefully we're going to a knitting group so that, that was weird <laughs> a weird kind of uh, twist of fate so yeah amongst that and um sam driving a motorized quad bike down the stairs um like evil Knievel and all sorts of other things crazy stuff that's been going on it's been a little bit hectic it has more so than the normal moves because the normal moves you move into a house it has to be a certain level of cleanliness you ring a guy you tell him stuff's broke they come and fix it reasonably quickly afterwards um it's clean um it's not leaking generally and if it is they put you in a hotel you know it's that versus kind of four years of tenant related decay on your house and you just come in and there's so many jobs need to be done and it's quite overwhelming and uh, yeah it's been a bit crazy but I think we're there I don't think Sam's going to attempt to drive down the stairs in his quad bike again soon at least although he has uh, you know done a couple of other comedy things we found him up a set of stepladders three times they're not even our stepladders they belong to the movers um, every time we hid them he'd climb up them again he'd find them and climb up them it's a strange child and um, yeah it's all cool so that's my update really what's been going on I'll, I'll do a little tour when it's a bit tidier it's a bit sorted I've got um, stuff to do really and move some boxes once it's all done I'll, I'll take you a walk around on Periscope so you can see it because um, it's a very cool house it's just when you have tenants in your house for a long time if those of you who have, who have will know um, they just don't look after it very well um, at all. So it's a lot of remedial stuff 
to sort out. Um, but yeah, it's all good. I'm hopeful to get some knitting in soon. But in other news, seeing as I'm now back in the northwest, I have a little trip out planned to Countess Blaze's studio on the 5th of December. Um, the Countess has very kindly agreed to host us and there's a couple of the guys and girls from the Golden Skin going to be going and um, if any of you are in the area around Manchester or Wigan or anywhere else that you can get to Manchester, it's Swinton so it's kind of Salford really, not Manchester, um, you can get there relatively easily, you can get there on the train, it's about a five minute walk from the train station from Swinton and you want to come along with us then let me know, I need to let the good lady countess know how many people are going to be coming um but it'll be cool i a bit love her i a bit love her um and i really wanted her to come on the podcast um but unfortunately audio she gets very nervous doing audio interviews so it's not going to be possible so we're just going to go and find girl at her, at her shop instead i've no idea why i love her so much everyone i know absolutely just loves her and none of us know why she's just one of these people um, if you don't follow Countess Blaze on Instagram, I recommend you do. She's a UK-based indie dyer. She likes to dye really bright, lovely shades of of different colours. Some are solid, some are crazy, crazy. She does a lot of um, custom um, blended fibre as well, if you're a spinner. You can find her at countessblaze.com, I believe. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, she doesn't wholesale to anyone. She, you can only buy it from her. She has one reseller in the US. And that's a very recent thing um, to have that. But nowhere else will you get her stuff apart from, from her direct. And she wears the most amazing wigs. Um, they're different every day. She has a beautiful wig collection. Something I never thought I would really be interested in until I saw hers. And she just she just rocks it massively. And then when I thought I couldn't really love her anymore, she put a picture of her dog up and it's called Gaius. And that was it then. It was sealed forever. Massive fangirl. I'm not even sorry. Don't, I'm not even apologising for thinking she's brilliant. Um, so we're going to go along to her studio. And as I said, that'll be the 5th of December. If you can't come to that, but you do want to go, she has a party the week after. Um, that's she's raising money for charity. I may or may not be going along to that as well. Um, and I know Isla Brit Yarn is going to that too. And um, yeah, we're going to go there. We're going to be doing, I think, a few trips out, hopefully. Uh, Shiny Bees slash TGS trips out. Now that I'm back where other people live, <laughs> um, I think it'd be quite good fun. So that's a bit of a rundown of everything that's been going on and some future events that are coming up, days out, etc. And I think we will pop on to hear from Rachel Coopy. So we're going to be looking on the podcast at socks for men, as in when we knit socks for our men. Okay. In our lives. What sort of things do you have to bear in mind? Do you have top tips, things that you've picked up, favourite patterns? I know Dave is a pattern that's been mentioned a lot by people. Yeah. We're talking about socks over the course of this year and also when you are a man that knits socks. Do you have any top tips surrounding that or particular resources that you recommend to men who knit socks? Um, I think that um, when you're knitting socks for men, 
day I think you need to sort of bear have a little think about what who the man is that you're knitting them for because some men are a bit allergic to bright colors <laughs> same as some women actually but but um yeah so maybe if they don't um maybe have if you have the chance to um if you're aware of the socks that they they already wear or the sort of colors that they already wear um then that you could take your sort of um cue from there if it's not going to be a surprise if they know that you're knitting for them then you can have the conversation with them about colors because i a lot some men um will wear much brighter colors on their feet than they would wear anywhere else yeah um, and they'll wear sort of crazy sock crazy novelty socks um and it's a, almost a kind of bit of a subversive thing because they might wear a suit to work um or they might dress smartly um and then they've got these socks that nobody knows about that are you know illuminous pink or you know crazy stripes or have um you know rubber ducks or something on them um my sort of sock idol as far as men go is uh the newsreader john snow um who wears quite bright ties but i don't think as many people notice the socks that he wears as well um he wears really bright um socks every day on the news so I've been trying to get him to tell me on Twitter what his shoe size is so I can knit him a pair of socks. But I think I think he might think I'm a bit strange. <laughs> and if you have a foot fetish, Rachel, you know, he probably <laughs> gets that a lot. <laughs> I know, I've tried a few times, but he never replies. Um, so, yeah, I think um, if it was me and I was knitting for men, man-sized feet, I wouldn't my first choice wouldn't be Dave wouldn't be a stocking stitch sock because um there's a lot of knitting in a pair of socks for men um if they especially if they've got my brother-in-law's got size 15 and um I did knit him a pair of Dave socks and I very nearly lost the will to live but I think sometimes patterning can um make it seem like it's growing you have little um milestones you know the end of a repeat and you know how okay it's only going to be three more repeats whereas if you're just knitting stocking stitch it can just seem to go on on and on forever um so i i think myself personally i would find it easier to knit something with a pattern um i think um most most of the men that I've knit that knit socks and most of the um, women that knit socks for men tend to use cables rather than a lacy pattern. Although I have met male knitters that um, that like lace socks for them that knit lace, lace socks for themselves, and I've met knitters who've knit lace socks for um, for their significant others. Um, so yeah, I think yarn just to you know do a little plug is that it comes in 50 gram skeins I think that's great for if you're knitting for for people with larger feet um because you 
you may need over 100 grams if you go above maybe about size 10 yeah um and you can buy three skeins rather than having you know 150 grams rather than having to buy 200 grams um but then if you did buy 200 grams you'd have enough of the second skein left to to make you know something else a hat or um mittens or a pair of um you know size six socks or something like that uh and it wouldn't be the end of the world there's lots of things that you can do with leftover sock yarn <laughs> um yeah i think a lot of male knitters that i meet tend to knit socks because i think it's um for themselves they knit socks for themselves because i think it's much less of a commitment than knitting a sweater for themselves um and that can be quite quite overwhelming i think to um I mean, it's overwhelming to me to knit myself a sweater. I, you know, I start them all the time and and very very rarely finish them. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it might just be the ones that I meet, but a lot of the male knitters that I meet do knit socks. I think everybody wears socks, so well, most people wear socks. Um, some people wear socks more than others, but yeah, I think everybody needs at least one pair of hand knitted socks in their life. Yeah, definitely. I've only ever knitted one pair for my husband. He's got his his feet aren't even really that big. He's got like size <laughs> eleven feet or something. Okay. Maybe, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, and he really likes them. They're stripy as well. They were self striped and he loves them. He's like, "Can you knit yeah. more?" And I was like, "No, yeah. I'm just going to buy you some from John Arben because <laughs> <laughs> it takes me ages." Yeah, I think that's the thing. You need to be really careful when you knit socks for other people because, in my experience, once they've had one pair, they'll never, ever, ever stop asking for more. Um, so you have to be prepared for that when you give them <laughs> the first pair. Um, but yeah, I mean, my husband loves handmade socks, and and my brother-in-law does, and I feel really terrible. Um, but I haven't made him more pairs because the the people with bigger feet like that find it really difficult to find socks to fit them in shops. Um, so if anything those are the people that we should knit more socks for but they actually end up being the people who don't get the hand knitted socks because their feet are so large and it takes so long um but he did he did really appreciate it when I gave when I gave them to them and I think that's the great thing that's the nicest thing about when you're knitting socks for other people is if they, when they really appreciate appreciate them I think that's the yeah that's all you can ask for really <laughs> yeah definitely would do you have a go-to kind of base or brand that you would use in particular for knitting for blokes um I think something with really good yardage um uh maybe opal or regia or the west Yorkshire spinners um signature four ply um you know any any of those you'll get a men's pair of up to up to the, you know a 10 or 11 definitely out of 100 grams so um and they and they wear, they'll wear really well um they are indestructible aren't they yeah more or less yeah i mean <laughs> yeah I, i've heard horror stories um 
but I think yeah they're pretty hard wearing I think I think Opal or Reggie or both come with like a 10-year guarantee I think Reggie definitely does because yeah you have to say every time you take the ball band off you're like 10 years <laughs> yeah and um those the ones that you can get from those companies that are self patterning all three of those companies actually do self patterning ones the West York Spinners ones do those really lovely bird um bird stripey um stripey ones as well as the solids and then opal and, and reggio both do you know um reggio do the arn and carlos ones which knit up as if they're fair isle um and they're really pretty but that can help um when you're knitting socks that are seeming to go on forever that sort of color changing yarn where you just oh just on it a little bit more to see the color change and see what the next bit of patterning looks like um that can help you sort of push your way through however many inches of of the foot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the only reason I managed to do Millie's ones is because it was a really funky self stripe. Yeah, it can it can it can really help um help not get sort of bored and, and give up on on them. So yeah, I would definitely recommend if you if you want to do a plain um a Dave plain stock and stitch sock um you know give those a try and some of them you know you you can sort of go as as wild as you like on those some of them have have, have got really bright crazy colors in and some of them are, are much more subdued um you know you could get grays and blues and browns and <laughs> um but I would say if you if they're not going to be a surprise, then have a have a conversation about colour because I I think more um, more men than than you might think will go for a a brighter pair. Maybe maybe that's just me wishing colourful socks on the world, <laughs> which wouldn't be completely unlike me. <laughs> Oh, super. And do you have any um, favourite patterns that you would use for men in particular? Or that you find, um, do you have any patterns in your collection that you find that the male knitters are particularly drawn towards? Um, I have, there's a pattern that I did a few years ago now for, um, it was a sang sanguine griffin, is that I think that's what it was called, and that isn't a company that exists anymore. But I think it's split into two separate companies. Um, called and they're they're called John Huston, I think, which were designed with men in mind, um, and that's quite a popular design that people have knit for men, um, or men have knit for themselves. But I think um, sometimes people have a little bit of a block when it comes to imagining if the sock is photographed on um a woman they have a little bit of a problem imagining it on a man and I tried to overcome that by in my last sock book by um photographing as many as I could on um a man as well uh, and I think that helped but I think all you know all of my patterns are sized that you could knit them for a man um the size by foot circumference and then you you knit until um 
you know, they're all fully adjustable for for foot length. Um, so I think, yeah, that's probably, I, I think that's probably the one that you would find the most projects, photographs um, for men. Um, but, you know, there's been, I've had male knitters in my sock club pretty much since the beginning and they, you know, they knit whatever I come out with, they knit and, you know, for themselves, sometimes for themselves, sometimes for other people. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that one, I think something with a, a you know, a, a cable or, um, and maybe sort of a, some sort of rib element, um, to make it nice and stretchy. Um, I would say are probably the most popular patterns, um, for men. Oh, brilliant. Um, I think at least you massively hit the nail on the head there and that sometimes it can be because the majority of the patterns are modeled on a woman's foot even if they are labeled as unisex i'm perfectly capable of being unisex because they're quite kind of paired back or yeah they, there isn't that much detail that you would find them too fussy for yeah. a bloke and they go up to bloke sizes but if they're on a woman's foot in quite gaily colors without being yeah. too stereotypical it can yeah. be really hard to think how that would look on your big, gruff, six foot four husband's foot. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. difficult. So, I love yeah. it. I love how your male knitters just knit everything. So I don't care. I don't care how lazy yeah. it is. I'm going to knit it and wear it. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I think, um, yeah, just seeing them, seeing some of the lace patterns, um, and some of the some of the lace patterns are quite geometric, so they're not um in any way sort of frilly or floral or anything like that and and they look you know they look absolutely great on on men and women and anyone who wants to to wear them really and and I think that you probably find as many um women who didn't want to knit pastel pink <laughs> definitely as, as um as you would find male knitters, because I think, or, or probably more, because I think pastel pink is, in adults, is becoming much more of a, um, you're much more likely to see it in, I feel like you're much more likely to see it in clothes shops for men, um, in the way of sort of shirts and, and t-shirts than you are for women. <laughs> definitely is, that definitely is a thing, because I can't imagine wearing pastel pink even at my delicate age of 32 I'm just like I can't see me in pastel pink and in fairness probably not my husband just because it wouldn't suit his skin tone but you do see a lot of men wear yeah. it in pastel pink yeah. it's, it's yeah. a thing it's definitely a thing a masculine lace is definitely a thing as well yeah I've seen, yeah I've seen some men rocking some amazing lace shawls as well I think there's definitely um definitely much more um not I can't think of the proper word but it's definitely much more knitting in general I think is becoming much much more unisex um definitely in sort of the areas of excess like the accessories that I design maybe not so much in um in all garments because um you know there's sort of shaping and things like that that go into into jumpers and cardigans that would need to be adjusted or um for for men versus women but 
um, yeah, I mean, things, if you want to wear it, then you should wear it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the whole point of being a knitter is you can knit what yeah. you want, how you want, and wear exactly. it the way you want. Yeah. <laughs> All for that. Yeah. There's no, there's no knitting police. There's no fashion police either, really. So. No, mm. Definitely. Especially when you can just turn around and give them the ultimate put down of, well, I made it. So yeah. <laughs> off you go with your uh, mass, mass produced tat. <laughs> yeah. And flounce away. Be a man or a woman, just flounce <laughs> away with your knitting bag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you for your thoughts on knitting for men and male knitters, knitting socks. I think it'll be really interesting. So I definitely have got a few male listeners um who in particular wanted to hear um some thoughts on that so I think they'll be really pleased as will the ladies of course yeah I think um yeah there's no there's no sort of hard and fast rules I think you should everybody should have at least one pair of yellow socks <laughs> that's the only rule <laughs> I'm gonna go cast on right now. if I was prime minister that would be that would be the only rule I'd vote for that. I would. I would totally vote for that because that's something that we might actually get. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, hilarious! Super. Well, I'd better let you get back to knitting and designing as it is the afternoon right now. Yeah. Um. But thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been lovely talking to you. Oh, thanks for having me. So there you go. Some thoughts from Rachel about knitting socks for men or being a man who knits socks we may knit socks for the men you never know we like to be all inclusive on the podcast as you know um, but nice to hear some thoughts from her uh, about that subject really and hopefully that will be good for those of you who wanted some content around male knitters in particular and knitting socks for men so I think we better crack on with some chatter from Alice. Thank you for those of you that um, sent in questions for me to ask of Alice um, during, or well, after the interview that I did with her. Like I said, you can expect that to come up in the next couple of weeks. And I'm sure you'll really enjoy hanging out with her today. So here is Alice. Well, I'm delighted to welcome Alice Ellsworth of Whistlebear Yarns to the show to answer some questions on mohair. Welcome, Alice. Hi. Hi, Jo. Um, Alice runs Whistlebear Yarns in Northumberland and is going to tell us a little bit about that before we start. Uh, yeah. Um, well, Whistlebear is our family farm. It's only 58 acres. It's not very big, um, but it's home to our herds of Angora goats and flocks of Wensleydale sheep. Uh, the goats are ours, my husband and myself, and the sheep belong to our sons. And we produce Yevering Bell yarn, um, which is mohair and Wensleydale mixed. We have it spun in Yorkshire, and then I dye it by hand back here on the farm. Um, yeah, that's what we do, really. Um, so I reckon you probably know a thing or two about mohair, which is why I've invited you to be our guest expert today. 
Well, I'm I'm learning all the time, but uh, yeah, I know a bit. Hopefully, <laughs> lovely. So I've invited the listeners and um, those who are interested in mohair to send me some questions over the past couple of weeks for you to answer. So we have a couple, and I think we can keep them anonymous for now. Although Catchy Frankel, who is a closet mohair fan, has sent a couple in. Um, so. If you're happy, I will read out the question and then we'll have a bit of a chat about it, if that's okay. Okay, sounds good. Lovely. So the first one was, I'm curious about a less of a fuzzy mohair, something more solid, going back to socks, and not too hazy and airy um, that a lace or a super fine yarn provides. Well, I, I think this comes back to most people's initial perception of mohair um, because... A lot of mohair that's sold is a brushed yarn. Um, so it's very, very fluffy and fuzzy and lots of little fibers flying about. And it produces a, a beautiful, soft garment. Um, but there's no getting away from it. It, it. It's fluffy and fuzzy. But that is part of the spinning process. Mohair doesn't have to be like that at all. The yarn that we produce is not brushed. It's a worsted spun, smooth yarn. Um, and the beautiful feature of mohair that you're exploiting then is its luster as you talked about before it takes dye beautifully it's very very shiny um, and it can be completely smooth it's just how it's spun if you're going to use mohair for socks it needs to be spun a bit more tightly um, all sock yarns have more twist in them and that gives an even more solid yarn so um then, then when it's under friction under your foot and things, it doesn't come apart. The mohair itself is not going to wear out because it's got a really high rub test. But if it's spun to make the most of its shine, it's not going to be spun tightly enough to take the wear and tear. But yeah, no, it doesn't need to be fuzzy at all. It doesn't need to be as, as fuzzy as, I mean, any more fuzzy than any other wool. Lovely. So this question continues and it says, sorry for going back to the same, but the tickliness I associate with mohair from the memory of the 1980s slash 1990s jumpers, everyone knows them, yeah. um, is still with me. And this makes me wonder whether mohair socks tickle, as the production of fibres in general had moved on greatly from that period. I'd imagine that applies to mohair as well. So I guess there's two questions there. Do mohair socks tickle and how is the kind of production of fibres kind of moved on, which I think you've touched on a little bit there. Well, she that that's a really good question because that is exactly the 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 issue with mohair. I get loads of people come to me and go, oh, itchy mohair, itchy mohair. Mohair is not itchy. Mohair has very few scales on its surface. They are very smooth, um, so it's not scratchy. The reason people think mohair is scratchy is that in the eighties and nineties, exactly as um, it says. The, the the production both of the fiber itself and the spinning was well frankly in comparison to what we're doing now it was poor the the goats they were producing a low quality fiber because it was mixed with what's called kemp and kemp is a different kind of hair it's it's in fact it's a guard hair it's very very straight and it's very prickly and if you get kemp mixed into your yarn it, it, well, it's like having spikes in it. 
So, so yeah, it, it's prickly, it's scratchy, it's not very nice. Um, and back in the 80s and 90s, the, the breeding of the goats hadn't reached the level that it has now. The, there's no Kemp in my goats. Um, and I, I can't take credit for that. I've only been breeding them for three years. It's the people who've been breeding them for 20 years before me have managed to breed out the Kemp. So that horrible fiber that used to be in there and drive us all mad just, just isn't in there anymore. Um, that, that is for your best quality mohair. There, there are still massive. I mean, a, a herd of Angora goats in South Africa could have 30,000 goats in. Now, some of those goats aren't going to be as good as others. So then you've got the other end of things, and that's in the scouring and the processing of the fibre before it's spun. And the way they do that now, they are able to separate out any kemp that's got in there. So first of all, not need so much kemp goes in. And then secondly, that kemp is got out in the processing. So now when you put on a beautiful mohair sock, it's mohair and not kempy mohair. So no, no tickle, no scratchy, should be lovely brilliant so there you, there you have it guys that's you told <laughs> it's really interesting In because theory. you know people don't know that i didn't know that and i quite like mohair um, ah, and i didn't yeah. know that that's you know that that things had moved on in that way in particular um yes it's, it's what what a lot of people don't don't know and why should they know is that it isn't actually the mohair that was scratchy it was this whole other fiber that was was getting in there that came from the same animals but it's um it's a whole, whole different makeup cool okay so we'll move on to the next question um and this one is i would like to know when it is more appropriate to use baby rather than older mohair feel sorry lol for the older goats smiley face <laughs> <laughs> no need to feel sorry for the old ladies they uh they produce a coarser tougher fiber than the babies and it's really really sought after for different things your 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 fine kid mohair which is really really soft and beautiful makes wonderful garments you know and and hand knitting yarns and things and beautiful things but it's not as tough as the 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 older goats mohair which has a higher micron and is really, really sought after for upholstery fabric and carpets and, oh, it's mohair on the bottom of, um, what are they called, skis? Um, not downhill skis, the other skis. It's gone out of my head. Cross-country skis. Um, mohair is in so many things. And um, all of that industrial type use they want the stuff from the older goats. So it, it's not that they're rejected in any shape or form. They, they play to their strengths and, and they go into a different industry. It, you, you'd be amazed to know, historically, big, big theatres where they all had red, you know, that sort of those burgundy, big squishy seats. Mm -hmm. Those were all upholstered in mohair because it has the highest rub test of any natural fibre. So it's not going to wear out. And it's naturally very fire retardant. So actually, as historically, the demand for mohair from the older goats probably was greater than for the younger goats. Amazing. That's really interesting. I'm really enjoying this interview. <laughs> <It's> really good. <laughs>
No, it is. It's good. I mean, because I mean, we hear a lot of stuff about different breeds of sheep and different wools and what you can use long wools for. And, you know, so people do know a bit about spinning these days or certainly seem to have a bit more awareness yeah. of the different characteristics you get from the way that you spin a yarn. But hardly anyone is talking about mohairs. All this kind of stuff, you just don't realise... Is, is in there you don't realize it's been used for that so no no it's 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 a really versatile fiber and I'm so grateful to people like yourself getting it out there because as you say people don't know and they're missing out it's a it's it's a great one to add to your stash anyway and increase your uh, variety of knitting and, and crochet it is and I just don't think that maybe I would have given it a chance had I not lived in South Africa for a while um because they kind of do mohair there so oh they do yeah <laughs> most of most of the world's mohair it's in South Africa it's uh, the climate is just perfect there for the goats so it's 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 a great thing to be doing super right what was the next next question this one doesn't have a smiley face disappointingly <laughs> <laughs> so and we've already talked about it a little bit um but she's asked for some specific advice at the end and this question is can it be spun without the fluffiness? I can't wear anything fluffy with long fibres. Alpaca, which is supposed to be okay for people who don't wear wool, proved to be too tickly even when combined with silk and merino. As the were long fibres coming out, do you have any advice? Yes, this, as you say, we touched on this earlier. Um, it's about the amount of twist there is in the spinning because... Um, to, to get the softest yarn with the greatest luster, you don't want to twist it too hard. So, so most of the yarns that are being manufactured for hand knitting wools that have got mohair in or alpaca in, they're not being twisted really hard because we're trying to produce something soft, something lustrous, something that feels really luxurious. But inevitably, when it's loosely spun, particularly to begin with, some fibres will come off. And if you can't tolerate any fibres at all, that's going to be itchy. Um, so what I would recommend is to use sock wool because sock yarn has very high twist in it um, and you still get all those other lovely features of the fibres, but it is more tightly spun, so those longer fibres are not going to be creeping off. So hopefully you might be all right. Um, out of interest, is there any way you can kind of wash it or treat it or anything to reduce the fluffiness? Kind of like when you have a wool sweater and when you first knit it, it does kind of shed more and it bobbles more to start with and then it kind of calms down a bit? Well, I, I would say, I mean, certainly Evering Bell is the same with that. When, when you very first start to wear it, it will shed a bit and it will bobble a little bit. But once you've worn it for a little while, that all, that all stops and, and the bubbles come off and, and then, then you're, you're good to go. So perhaps, perhaps a friend, if you could get a friend to wear it for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just, you know, when it's stopping being a little bit uncomfortable, you could have it back. That's it a great would... idea. Work well. <laughs> what friends for, eh? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about things like putting it in the freezer and stuff. I, I know some people do that, but I... I'd, I've never tried any of those things, I have to say, because I, I just wait for it to stop, which doesn't take all that long, but could be, you know, it doesn't make me itch, so I... Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I've only heard of the point in the freezer, if you're going to rip it, it's, for some reason, apparently, it makes it rip easier. Right, yes. No, I, I, I haven't either. Um, so, no, I, 
couldn't comment on that. I'm sorry. Mm, super. So they were all the questions that we've had so far. Um, Very good. Are there any other things that you can think of that we could chat about with regard to mohair? And in particular, what sort of things people say to you on the stall that are kind of urban myths, perhaps? Well, the big the big one is, oh, mohair, it's scratchy. Oh, I can't tolerate mohair. And um, so, some people are, you know, they're having a nice day out. They're quite happy to chat for a while and are very open minded about having another try. Because when you say, oh, you know, when did you last wear mohair? It, it was usually 15, 20 years ago. Um, so, but, but, but some people feel really strongly about it and, and will look around the store and say, well, where's your yarn that's not mohair? Which always seems a little bit of an odd thing to say to me. <laughs> and I mean, well, actually, I haven't got any. <laughs> um, but so, so that's the principal one. Um, the, the other thing that, that really comes across is people are just amazed by the luster, you know, and uh, the clarity of colour you get because of the structure, it being a hair and not a wool. And, and uh, as you said yourself, Joe, the way the scales reflect the light and things, you, you do get amazing clarity of colour. So you, you get a, a beautifully um, shiny, glowing yarn. And that, of course, is not going to wash off. Um, some yarns that I have bought in the past, bigger, more commercial yarns, and they look really beautiful. And the first time I've washed the jumper, all that luster is gone. And it took me a long time to understand that that was because it had been sprayed on and it was it was actually silicon or something like that, rather than actually a feature of the, of the structure of the fibre itself. Um, yes, what else could I tell you? Um, you did so well in your, your podcast 66. You, you've... You've covered most of it, I think. Mohair um, does rock. <laughs> it certainly does. Absolutely does. And I have to say, Angora goats do too. If anybody's so passing, cute. do come and see the goats. <laughs> they're so cute. <laughs> they are. They are. They're lovely animals. And they're, they're a great animal to keep with a family because they're, they're very docile. And they're sort of smallish. You know, they're not big and fierce and they have horns on their head which actually function as very good handles to move them around <laughs> they, they, they don't charge at you or anything like that <laughs> they're far too cool far too cool <laughs> but no they're sweethearts they're lovely oh that is brilliant well what i will suggest we do is wrap up the questions for now but if anyone has any more questions Maybe they could email you or email me. Yeah, absolutely. And pass them on. And if we get enough extra questions, we could always re-attack them, get some more mohair love going on. Absolutely. I'm all for mohair love. Oh, maybe we should start Movember. Like, <laughs> yes. Not moustache, mohair instead of woe. <laughs> sounds fantastic. It's got, there's got to be some mileage in a, in a knitted mohair moustache. There really does. Without a doubt, without a, well, of course, the other big thing that mohair is used for is teddy bears and dolls' hair and all those kind of things. Um, so yeah, I don't see why not. Why why stop at a moustache? We could we could have we could even have a um, uh, I want to say a ship a goatskin um, wig covered in mad wiglets. You could you could have goatskin uh, dreadlocks all in a go. 
no, that's it now. You've got me off. I'm, I'm on a rabbit hole. I'm, I'm halfway <laughs> down it. I'm tr- tracking a goat by its horns. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I love it. I have some mohair teddy bears that I bought for my babies when they were little. Ah. Oh, is, lovely. In fact, is that... Um, is When they make mohair fabric for things yeah. like teddy bears, is that kind of yarn grade mohair or is it slightly rougher? No, Does it have its that, own grade? It, it, I don't know for certain, but I would be very surprised if it was kid. I would expect it to be older goat um, because the most mohair fabric is made from the older goat because it holds together that much better and it's that much tougher. And you, you, you don't get the full benefit of the softness of the kid um, once it's been spun to, to weave with. And so, and so why use it? because it's more expensive. So um, you, I, I would be very surprised if it was kid in your teddy bears. But they're still beautiful. They are. They are. And it's an interesting point, because we do have a lot of people who also weave who listen to the podcast. So, you know, maybe you don't need to have super swanky. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, you don't. You don't, for sure. Um, I mean, you you were asking sort of, plans afoot and things well in years to come we will without a doubt be producing a weaving yarn um the question is then it will get so mad oh do we just produce the yarn do we produce the fabric do we produce a product and 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 you're off again as you say down another rabbit hole and and it's a whole nother world and I have to keep pulling myself back out again going no I'm doing a sock yarn just now (laughs) I will stop there I'll I'll do that for a blanket. (laughs) (laughs) That's not helpful, (laughs) Jay. It's not, but it's true. I I totally have one. I've got a couple planned. I love blankets. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I I do, actually. There's nothing like a nice little snuggly one on the back of the sofa, is it? It's, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely in the future. It will definitely happen. But uh, one thing at a time, I keep telling myself. One thing at a time. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I do look forward to, to to that happening, certainly. So I imagine you've probably got a reasonably busy day tomorrow. <laughs> yes, yes. As you have, I have no doubt. Yeah, so we will wrap up our question time for now. But thank you very, very much indeed for coming on to the show and for sharing your time and your expertise with us. It's been really, really interesting. I've very much enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I've really, really enjoyed it as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Alice. How funny is she? I thought she was brilliant. I had a right laugh with her. And very much looking forward to bringing you her interview that I recorded at the same time as recording the answers to those questions in the next few weeks. I think you'll enjoy it. She's very good fun. So now we've got the bead along, the bead along chat. We're going to be doing a bead along on the podcast. I floated the idea a few weeks ago and put a little thread up in the Ravelry group. If you're not a member of the Ravelry group already, head on over there and join us all. And that way you can keep up to date with um, everything that's going on and uh, join the email list if you would like. And we're going to be doing a, a bead along. There's been a lot of interested in a lot of interest in beaded knitting since I did the shawl of awesome. 
for the UK Podcasters Awards. And I managed in like five weeks by by the skin of my teeth, blocked and worn on the evening. Don't matter how far in advance or how close to the deadline you do it, as long as you can rock it out. I think that's fine personally. And as you all will know, unless you're very new this episode, it was a pattern by Boonits, who's a UK-based designer and absolutely lovely. You're going to be interviewing her on the next episode of the podcast. And it was called Out of Darkness. Now, I thought it was something to do with depression um, or a saying around depression. Completely made that up in my own head. Got nothing to do with that, apparently. <laughs> All of the names for her patterns are based on in-jokes in her family. And she doesn't generally share them. She did tell me about one of them, but I'm not at liberty to discuss any. I, 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 swore, I, I was sworn to secrecy and I'm a lady of my word. So unfortunately, I'm not allowed to tell you about that. But she was absolutely delightful to interview as well. And I knitted her out of darkness pattern, which I think was only like her second pattern ever. Um, there is some chat about it uh, next week, uh, well, next week, next episode rather, which will be tomorrow. And um, uh, it was a lace weight pattern, added fine lace weight, held double, 100% silk, 700 beads, managed it in five weeks. Second ever beaded shawl. First one was Kenya by Claire Divine. And um, managed it without too much fuss, to be honest, and without too much trauma, just by kind of doing the research, doing the homework before I start, being patient, taking my time, uh, using stitch markers, using lifelines, all that kind of good stuff to knit the project. And I used to think that knitting with bees looked really complicated and really difficult. And although I love the effect, I was a bit like, can I really be bothered fussing around with all these little beads and crochet hooks and the kids are going to eat them and get them up their nose and yada, yada, yada. And sometimes I think when we're short of time, we don't want to try a new technique, perhaps, because you just want to knit, you don't want to think. And that's completely fine too, obviously. But sometimes we just need a little bit of encouragement to try something new, which is why we're doing the bead along. This will start on the 16th of November. Cast on will be at 8.30pm GMT, which I will be periscoping my cast on. Um, providing I can find some receptacle to hold my phone, that is, and my internet is working, uh, will be periscoping the cast on, so you can all come join me for that. Um, finish date will be the 10th of January, so you've got plenty of time over Christmas um, and the holidays to do your beaded knitting. Hopefully you'll have it finished before Christmas and you'd have something lovely and sparkly to wear. But if not, there's no pressure, you know, just take your time, enjoy the process, get it right and have a beautiful finished object at the end of it. Now, I've decided to do it in a bit of a random weird way. Not weird necessarily, but a bit of a split test way. I don't like knit-alongs where you don't knit all the same pattern. I think it's kind of pointless. But other people don't mind it. They do like to knit different patterns and that's cool too. You know we like to be inclusive on the podcast. So I have selected three patterns from suggestions that came up in the thread on Ravelry um, for a knitted pattern. And then I had a lovely suggestion from Jade's Fire, who's a crocheter. And obviously crochets are completely welcome to take part as well. Can't promise I'll know any of the answers to your questions if you have any, but I know a couple of ladies that might. So um, the patterns that I've selected um, as a result of feedback in the group are Cunha by Claire Divine, 
Um, that was a pattern that was designed for the Golden Skein last year and was given to our members in the celebration quarter, which was the last one of 2014. This is a semi-circuit, well not semi-circuit, it was like a crescent-shaped shawl really, um, quite wide and flat. The major vast, vast majority of it is stocking stitch um, with a couple of yarn overs at the beginning of the row. That's it for the vast majority of it. Um, very straightforward to do. You can use any kind of yarn, any kind of dye um, technique will work with this pattern. If you're going to bling it up with beads, I'd suggest going for a semi-solid or a gradient perhaps. And if you're not going to use beads, because you can do it without beads if you like, although it kind of defeats the object of the bead along, then you can do it in a variegated yarn. Maybe that's, once you've knitted one, I think you'll want to knit another. So maybe do one with beads for the first one and then do one without beads afterwards or if you need more um confidence in your shawl knitting and lace knitting knit one without beads first and then knit one with beads i know people um who have done several of this got the pattern and knitted this in several different ways knitted it for gifts knitted it for themselves um and it's really really quick and simple and it's only a few rows and the long rows of lace and beads but it's not complicated. There's not tons and tons of yarn overs and this, that and the other. It's really straightforward. Um, so that is Can You by Claire Divine. Also, we've got Be With You, which is a Boo Knits pattern. And this is the pattern that I'm going to be knitting. Although I think I'll probably end up doing one of each of these. Um, Be With You is a, a semi-circular shawl uh, with beads and um, patterning and texture and things in it really this is probably a bit more of your kind of it's very simple it's a four ply weight shawl um, it, it is doable there's a shawlette version and then there's a bigger version for up to sort of 800 yards so if you've got if you want to make a really big kind of thing of this that could be a good option for you her patterns are really straightforward and she prides herself on making the complicated what looks complicated very easy to execute and um, as I said I used one of her patterns for my second ever shawl with bees the first one was Kunya so I'm talking from experience here and um, and you will be able to manage it she's also really helpful in her group uh, if we get stuck with anything but I'm sure between us we'll be able to figure it out I'm gonna do that one I've bought some beads I've bought the Miyuki triangles again obviously because seed beads are for sissies i want the big ones i want the bling not even sorry um so i've ordered mine from crystals and ice and i'm going to use the stromboli yarn from the golden skeins autumn quarter by travel knitter which is tanami four ply and it is a 50 percent baby camel 50 percent silk i am blinging it up like a badin and if you have been inspired by a bit of mohair love and Lord knows why wouldn't you have been after after weeks and weeks of me ramming it uh, firmly into your knitting bag. Uh, we have the Winter Wonder Shawl by Helen Stewart as our third shawl. This is part of Knitbent 2015. I know a lot of you will already have got Knitbent um, or be knitting along with the Knitbent knit along with Helen. I know a lot of my listeners also listen to her. And this is a lovely... Um, 
be again as, as a shawl it's beaded on a eyelet panel basically the, again the majority of it is uh, garter stitch so you can get quite a decent way into it before you need to get into the eyelets she has two versions of that one which is um both four ply and one which has a really pretty fluffy uh, mohair and silk blend lace weight yarn with some really delicate little beautiful crystal beads on it very pretty very feminine very wintry um and her pa again her patterns are really really easy to follow they're really super clear and um she's got loads of people already there's already 150 odd people cast on so if, if we get again if we get stuck then um there's plenty of resources to go to but it, it looks very very straightforward um and i have a code for knitvent for you um which i will pass to you at the end of this blurb so if even if you don't want to take part in the bead along but you do fancy getting your hands on a bit of knitvent love um Helen's very kindly sent us a code for you to get discount, which is awesome and very kind of her. So thank you, Helen, for that. And she will be providing a copy of Knitvent as a prize as well, which is good. For the crochet, we've got Lisa's shawl, which is by Shireen Nadir. It's a free pattern that was recommended by um, Jade's Fire as a good place to start. It, it's, it looks really nice. Again, it's eyelets and uh, trebles, triangular um, shawl. So a super option there now i realize that some of you will not necessarily want to knit a shawl because you don't wear beaded shawls or you don't want to knit one of these three um beaded shawls or crochet the one that i've suggested and if that's the case that's completely fine you can still totally join in with whatever pattern you want to do if you're in the middle of doing a frost at midnight and you want a bit of moral support to do the beads on that again completely fine the whole point is is that you need to really pick something that you really really want so when the going gets tough you are prepared to put in the effort if if you need to it might just be dead easy it might be making it all really difficult in your head and it might be dead easy but if it's not you need to be making something that you were really motivated to make otherwise you'll end up with a ton of beads and a load of yarn and no finished object and we don't want that so if you do want to knit something else, come along and join in anyway. Post the pattern in the group. You might get a little splinter group working with you on the same pattern. There's no reason why not. And um, we can all get some love in there. Sign-ups are in the Ravelry group, please. And there's a thread on that now for you to sign up. And the hashtag we'll be using is hashtag beadalong. So any beads or beaded project is fine. Any weight of yarn is fine. But we do have the three suggested knitting patterns and the one suggested crochet pattern for you. So as promised, I have a code for you. Very generously uh, set up for the listeners of the podcast um, by Helen of Curious Handmade Podcast. Fellow UK Podcast Award winner and all-round lovely lady. And uh, she has set up a code uh, for the whole of the Knitvent collection, which will be six patterns, two shawls, and four other um, items. And that code for you will get you 15% off the Knitvent 2015 collection, which runs from now until the 30th of November. The code you need is SBKNITVENT15. So that's S B 
knit vent 15 i'll put that in the show notes and in the ravelry group as well for you and it runs from now until the 30th of november now if the winter wonder shawl is not for you she's also included candlelit shawl in that code as well which is another beaded shawl that helen has designed it's very pretty it's done in a bfl yarn so if you've got some lovely lustrous bfl floating around that that could be a perfect choice uh, for you as well even if you're not taking part in the bead along, but you want to, you know, maybe get involved in Knitvent, um, then use the code, you know, it's there for everyone. It's not specifically just for bead along participants. It's for any listeners of the podcast. So that will get you 15% off the entire collection of Knitvent. She's released the first um, pattern on the 5th of November, which was the Winter Wonder Shawl. And every week, another pattern will be released basically and it'll be automatically delivered to you so it'll be like getting your own little advent calendar of knitting patterns for the whole time and she runs a knit along as well as part of that so you can double dip you know twice the fun or you know half as much knitting perfect perfect choice so the knitvent collection this year is inspired by the special radiance of winter and as the days grow shorter light becomes something precious Imagine the dazzle of sunlight on snow, the gleam of firelight through frosted windows of a log cabin. Think fairy lights twinkling behind a row of icicles and the glow of candles on the dinner table. And I'm there already. I don't know about you, but I've, I've got my stolen out and I'm, I'm halfway down a glass of mulled wine and the beads are everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, take advantage of that. If you like hair um, aesthetic and you like hair stuff, the code is SBNITVENT15 and it runs until the 30th of November. So all the details um, for the bead long will be in the Ravelry group, which is where you'll need to be to take part. If you're not on Ravelry, take part by using the hashtag BeadAlong on any other social media and hopefully I will find it and be able to join in with you. And you've got a week, so on your marks, get set, go. You're gonna have to be quick, basically, but I'm encouraging you, get in the stash, get something precious out of your stash. Order the beads, crystals and ice had my beads with me the next day. So in the UK, they're a great choice for you and they have loads of different Miyuki beads and the seed beads as well as the triangles and uh, pretty keenly priced i think so give them a bash well i'm afraid that is all we've got time for this week it's been a bit of an epic but one that i hope you will have enjoyed and it being a bit longer maybe makes up for it being a little bit late which we'll try and avoid in future by not moving house quite so often um, again but thank you very much for joining me and if you're a new listener I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard have a lovely week happy crafting and I'll speak to you all again soon bye you've been listening to the shiny bees podcast a podcast for those who like their knitting comedy and yarn in equally large measures if you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so via the blog. Or I'm Shiny Bees on Ravelry, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and Facebook. You can email me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com. Music for this episode is provided by Music Alley and it is Adam and the Walter Boys and I Need a Drink. I need a drink. <laughs>